All right, good evening, everybody. Wonderful to have you all joining us, join me here on uh, the big questions of Jewish philosophy. So, um, I won't lie that part of my motivation in um, teaching this course on philosophy is that a lot of these areas are areas that I'm not particularly well versed in, largely because they don't really bother me on a day to day basis. I I find that uh, there's certain areas of Jewish morality that I really can sink my teeth into from a practical point of view as well as from a, say, a philosophical point of view. But in areas, especially when we're talking eschatological, you know, what's going to happen when we die and the world to come and the like, um, have never really been int- areas of interest in my life. And therefore, if most people were to say to me, like, what's Jewish Judaism's position on any of these particular topics? The chances are, I would say, listen, uh, I'm sure that yes and sure no, but I wouldn't be able to say it in it with any great certainty, and I definitely wouldn't be able to quote anyone. And probably, of all the topics we've done so far, none of that would be more so than the question of reincarnation. Because if you'd asked me uh, last week, you know, what's the Jewish position in reincarnation? I'll say, well, I know there are people that say that, that, it, that, it's, that it is, and I know that there are people who don't, but you don't ask me who those people are. I'd imagine the mystics were the ones who say yes, and the ones who are not the mystics would say no. But um, beyond that... I really, um, I really couldn't give you names of anyone in particular um, that held one position or the other. So it really took me, uh, I actually do a lot of research this particular week and thank God found a lot of sources which like all the other areas of Jewish philosophy that we're dealing with, we're going to find two divided camps. Now, albeit on most of the other questions that we've dealt with, the camps have been divided and we've tried to d- present the, the topics that the camps have been divided as such as that you've got, uh, let's call it, I wouldn't say the majority of the position, but the, the, the more, more prominent position within Judaism would be on one. But you should know that there's another position on the other. So, um, so is the Messiah, is it, you know, in the Messianic era, is it a part before we die or is it after we die and we come back to life? So we've brought the opinions of the Ramban and the Rambam and they were different, but... I never really felt that there was this huge divide in any of the areas that we've dealt that it was really almost like two two camps of rabbinic positions that are literally uh, completely opposed to one another and that you've got such heavy weights in both groups. So that's what you know where we're going to be having this evening is we are dealing with people that are really on both extremes of this particular topic from absolutely it's a cardinal almost a cardinal belief within judaism to it's a heretical view within judaism and uh, i suppose you couldn't get two more divided opinions than those and we're going to see that um, these are from the big let's call it the big boys in jewish philosophy so the way i'm going to present this evening is uh, not sort of go through the mechanics behind it which um, is really not of my interest but just to understand what's called transmigration of souls where a soul a person is born in this world and that their soul potentially when they die this world their soul can be returned into another body and that body and we'll come see whether that body is another human body or perhaps even a non-human body being um, an animal or the like this is going to be real uh, the question and uh, we'll talk a little bit about why that might be the reason that such a concept exists, like why the concept of reincarnation will exist, why do, will God do it? And we'll deal with that with the people who say that it is um, an element of a Jewish um, belief. And so why does God make it? 
But um, let's go through it. So the first group we're going to deal with are those who are against. So the first big name is Rav Saadia Go'on. So we're dealing with uh, about, about a thousand years ago, Rav Saadia. And he wrote the book, uh, the, the Book of Beliefs and Opinions. And he says as follows, I must say that I found certain people who call themselves Jews. Now just to show how how um, how firm he is in it. It's not that he's like disagrees with these rab- rabbis. He says that these people call themselves Jews, professing the doctrine of reincarnation, which is de- designated by them as a the theory of transmigration of souls. What they mean thereby is that the spirit of Reuven is transferred to Shimon, and then after it's to Levi, and then after that to Judah. Those are just the four, first four sons of, of Yaakov. So that's just why those names. So Reuven dies, and the soul of Reuven goes on to Shimon, and then Shimon dies, and it goes on to Levi, and Levi dies, goes on to Judah. Many of them will go as far as to assert that the spirit of the human being might, even, might enter into the body of a beast, or that the beast into the body of a human being, and other such nonsense. And stupidities. Now, I didn't bring the whole Rav Sadia because at the end of the day, our goal is uh, just really to try and elucidate. But I don't think you get much stronger than that. This is absolute nonsense and stupidities. Now, Rav Yosef Abel and the Sefer Ikarim, so he's going to similarly, he's going to say, from this Kabbalist derived the doctrine of transmigration. Since true opinions is, in according to the Torah, so they argue, that the soul is not material power, but an independent substance. So, the so, so just take it. So, these people, these Kabbalists, they say that the soul is an independent substance, not physical, as, as we said before. And just as the spiritual substance enters in the human body was created, it is possible that having function in one human body, it may return and live in another. So, to use a, a, a modern analogy, so if you've got a battery in a, in a remote control, so there's no reason you can't take the, the battery out of that remote control and put it in another remote control. Similarly here, the soul is the life force that gives the body its energy. So there's no reason with the, when the body crumbles that that soul can't go and give another one up. But this is not correct. Why should a soul that has already functioned in a human body and has become a free agent return to the body again? Does it make sense? Like you bring the body into the world and the soul here and it spends uh, 120 years here and then, uh, you know, goes up but then comes back again. I still less likely view those that say that human souls are transmigrated into the bodies of animals. God knows. And that little God knows over there is uh, a shemish more. That would say, it's like, oh my goodness, that people should believe such things. Now, I didn't find anyone who said that uh, Jew, Jewish reincarnation believes that the, the humans can be, then their next life can come back as animals or as inanimate objects, as I believe the Hindus believe. But that being said, is that it is clear that both from Rav Sadiq and Rav Yosef Abel, that idea that human beings um, can transfer into animals were apparently opinions held by people of standing. Now, just parenthetically, if if I were to, I, Gad Krebs, were to stand up in shul and say something very, very controversial, there's a good chance that no rabbi in the world would write a rebuttal or sanction me or excommunicate me. And that is because I don't hold any weight that my opinion is going to influence the number of people that would cause me to be considered a danger to the Jewish people. And so as much as, uh, 
you know, if you see people writing uh, diatribes and accusations against a particular author, it means they think this guy is an influential individual. And, and that's why they have to speak out against. If he's a nothing, a nobody, no one listens to him. So, you know, if he's a crazy guy on the street corner, you know, shouting out conspiracy theories, so no one worries about them. You have to have some standing. So the fact that Rav Saadi and Rav Yosef Albel both feel that there are people out there saying that the human soul can come back as an animal and that is wrong means that the people that were saying it weren't some schnook standing on the street corner. They were people of sta- substance or people of standing. Okay? So those are two of the original opinions. Now let me bring some more opinions out. Let me clear all these little pen lines. Alright. I'm going to come back to that Hebrew one. Film. So another cup. So the Orashem Rachastai Kreskas is one of the most well-known philosophers in the world of, let's say, Jewish academia. More so than uh, Jewish. But he says, similarly, if souls of the second migration remember nothing of their first lives, so how can the body and the soul learn from its mistakes in previous lifetime? So he's touching on what some of the logics are. And we're going to see this come in those people who are in favor of reincarnation. This is because they, they came to this world and they didn't fulfill what they needed to do in this world. So they need to come back and fulfill it. So it says, well, if you didn't do it the first time, so like, so the second time is going to come in. Now, how am I going to, so I, I get Krebs here and the reincarnation of a Chaim Shmerel from a uh, hundred years ago. So, how am I, Gad Krebs, supposed to correct the, the issues of Chaim Shmerel if I don't know what Chaim Shmerel did wrong? Like, how am I ever going to correct things? So, so we say the parents should, the children should not die for the sins of the parents, but I'm going to suffer because of sins I did in a previous generation. But how can I suffer for that? I don't know. Like, you should have me some level of accountability. But I, I didn't know what was happening in a previous generation. How on earth can you hold me accountable? Zetrav Chazdai Krestgas. And uh, the Rashba, Rosh, uh, Shlomo Ben Aderet, who's an early Rishon, so we're talking 1300s here, and he says, if a person is trying very hard to live a moral life, but, but is then severely punished as a result of actions in a previous life, that person could easily just give up, trying to act morally and correctly, since his actions, his or her actions now seem truly futile, given the baggage and sins of previous life. If reward and punishment are not based on action and presence, why be moral? So I think there's, like, there's, a, there's a logic there. It's like, why on earth would... Why would God do this? What's the th- so the soul needs to be cleansed. So let, bring the soul, let the soul be cleansed. Now, as we know, and we've spoken about this, what's the world to come? So we haven't spoken about um, Gehenna, so uh, reward and punishment in the afterlife yet, and we will get to that at some point. But the whole idea of reward and punishment in the afterlife is seemingly that your time in this world has been done, and you've made a few mistakes, and you've done a lot of good stuff, so you're going to get your reward and punishment in the world. Too. But why don't we just say, well, just send the guy back. You know, send them back, and the next time they'll get it right. And you just keep sending them back. So there's no punishment in the world to come. Why? Because you just go back and to correct what he, what he did wrong the first time. And you keep coming and going. Now, I want to just call him back here. I said, Lachar Rav, is Rav, um, oh, I just have to forget his name. It's not showed. it might be the Shod Israeli. He was the chief rabbi of Israel. And he wrote to a sponsor, and in, uh, he was the chief Ashkenazi rabbi of Israel. And he said, like, this is crazy. He wrote a lengthy piece, which I have right over here next to me. And I started going through it. It was too lengthy on his whole uh, point where he was saying about definitely there's no reincarnation. But he brings a very simple proof for how we know there's no reincarnation. He says, he says um, it's not mentioned anywhere. Nowhere in the Torah is it mentioned. Nowhere in the Talmud is it mentioned. Nowhere in the commentaries. It's not mentioned in the Rambam. He says, like, 
if, if this is such an important ve- idea within Jewish philosophy, so why is it that we never hear about it? And we'll see the first time we really start hearing about it in a very meaningful way. It's not going to be until the 1500s, 1600s. So, so for 2,000 plus years, for two and a half thousand years of Jewish history, there's almost nothing written about uh, in any, by anyone of significance about the concept of reincarnation, and then all of a sudden, boom, there's a reincarnation with the Hasidic movement, well, it predates the Hasidic movement, but with the Kabbalistic movement, and so all of a sudden it comes, this, this, this is crazy. Alright, so the, it sounds like these arguments against reincarnation, in my own personal opinion, seem rather strong. Now, just a couple of other ones, which I didn't quote the sources, but just as uh, the basic Jewish understanding of res- resurrection of death, a concept accepted by, sorry, so, we understand that the concept of the resurrection of the dead, so Tchiat HaMaitim, which we've spoken previously, um, almost every, everyone accepts that there is Tchiat HaMaitim. But the souls that occupy so many bodies, which body will it occupy when the dead are resurrected? So this is one of the, you know, your first question gets. So, so okay, if there's reincarnation, the resurrection of the dead, so if I, you know, have been uh, alive, this is my fifth life, so when I get resurrected, um, who, who's coming back? Am, am I coming back or one of my previous lives coming back? Now, as we spoke, you know, resurrection of the dead is not necessarily a physical thing. We said it might be a temporary thing, it might be some things. Um, and I think there are probably ways of answering this question. But I also think it's the kind of question that, you know, you're assuming that the concept of resurrection of the dead is a simple question to understand. And now it's just a mathematical question of if this person's lived five times, so which of those five bodies uh, comes in and gets resurrected. But I think as we've discussed in that year, and, um, is that it's not so clear that there are, you know, Far, you know, that, that's the way resurrection of the dead is going to work, that they're going to be just, you know, you know, people getting up from the graves and going about. So, I mean, we ask the same question. If a person died and they're missing a leg and they get resurrected, they're going to come back with the leg. If they died at 90 and they get resurrected, how old are they going to be? Are they going to be you know, the same age as their children, as their parents? I mean, a lot of these questions, I, I don't think it's a good question because um, I, I don't think because the resurrection of the dead itself is well understood enough. Does it question God's ability in running the world? If there's not enough time in one lifetime to teach the soul to reach its goal in perfection, why can't God just simply extend the person's life until the soul learns to all that's meant to do? Which I think is a very good kasha. It's like if, if you say, oh, you didn't fulfill everything you needed to do in this world. So we all, one of the things say, like if a person lives for Nebuch, they, they die at a young age. So, you know, the, the, the mystics will say, well, they came into this world to do X and they achieved their purpose in the world and that's why Hashem took it. And then so if you say, okay, wait a second. So if that's the case, so if I died 80 and I haven't achieved what I needed to achieve in the world, so I'm going to have to be reincarnated. So I've got a better thing. Hashem, give me another 10 years. Give me another 20 years. Let me give the opportunity to do it. And then I don't have to be resurrected. Like the whole idea that you're going to bring me back and back and back. If, 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 if. Anyway, those are all the arguments against resurrection. That it is something that just... F- flies in the face of other philosophical ideas that we have. It flies in the face of the logic of how God runs the world. It's not mentioned anywhere in the Torah. And it is uh, something that definitely in the uh, early rabbinic period is an aberration of Jewish values. That being said, we go and now look on the other extreme. So now I'm not getting much. What's happening here? All right, so let's start the opinions in favor of uh, of reincarnation. So, so the, oh, I've lost this guy. Okay, first is 
the Midrash. Now, the Midrash, this is something that you're going to hear come regularly. If you ever stick around a number of Groshas, you're going to hear this concept of uh, this person is that person. So the Midrash in Yaakut Shimoni, in uh, Pashat Pinchas, says, uh, Pinchas hu Eliyahu. That Pinchas is Eliyahu, or more specifically, Eliyahu is the, seemingly it's saying, is, the, is, is Elijah, that Pinchas was reincarnated as Elijah. We'll see this again, um, it comes in uh, Sefer Bamidbar, this is uh, in Parsha Balak that we read a few weeks ago. So it says, malachim al Bilam ben Paor, and um, they sent messengers to Bilam ben Paor, the son of Paor, in Vadaret. So one of the so one of the very early commentaries. This is a Talmudic commentary. Okay, it's of Talmudic uh, era, even earlier, Mishnaic era, Rav Yonatan ben Uziel, and he. So what the what the Targum is is before we had uh, commentators, you would have certain rabbis that would translate the text of the the Chumash into Aramaic but bring with it an interpretation and explanation as well. So the most well-known one is called Targum Unculus, which you can find on every almost any Chumash. You open your Oscar Ul Chumash, it will be there right next to the text, is the Aramaic translation. And another one is called Targum Yonatim and Uziel. But he translates as follows. And he sent, the messenger went to Laban, the Aramite, who was Bila. Laban was Rachel and Leah's father. Many, many hundreds of years before Bilam. So it says, Lava and Bilam, same character. So what the commentaries are going to say is that this is, what does it mean? Pinchas Eliyahu. Pinchas Eliyahu lived hundreds of years apart from one another. Lavan and, Lavan and Bilam lived hundreds apart of years from another. Another one that comes up quite is the story of Yonah, of Jonah. And Jonah goes to the city of Nineveh, and he goes to the king of Nineveh, so the, the, the commentary says over there, this was Pharaoh. And that's why he listened when Jonah came and said that the city is going to be destroyed in 40 days. The guy listened. Why? Because he remembered when, when Hashem came in Egypt and he didn't make the same mistake the second time. So it was Pharaoh. But Pharaoh can't live. This is thousands of years apart between living Egypt and the story of Jonah. So how is it possible? So they want to say, that is reincarnation. So you see there is a source. So despite what we have seen earlier that there's no source, there are sources. See, Pinchas is Eliyahu. Um, try to think of which other ones do we know. Bilam and Lavan. Um, nothing jumps to mind. But, they, but this exists, that these are reincarnations. Now, it's very difficult to understand that that's what it means because it doesn't say that. It doesn't use the terms of reincarnation. And it could equally mean that the personality type, that Bilam was like Lavan, and Pinchas and Eliyahu are the same kinds of personality types, rather than saying that it's in fact the same soul coming in down in multiple incarnations. But anyway, that would be one of the early sources. But one source that you really can't get around, and this I'm just going to enlarge this a bit so I can read it. This is not a, this is a halachic source. And this is not uh, mystical at all. This is by the Chofetz Chaim. Chofetz Chaim is, dare I say, in the, in the non-Hasidic world, is probably the most, the last word on Jewish law. And over here, so his, his most well-known book in, the, in law was the book called the Mishnah Bura, which is a commentary on the Jewish code of, of Jewish law, the Shulchan Aruch. 
And here he's talking about, it's, it's, this is the laws of uh, Yom Kippur afternoon, Mincha afternoon. And it's talking about the question of reading the book of Yonah. Um, why do we read Jonah on Yom Kippur afternoon? So I'm going to read here. I couldn't find the English. So I'm just going to read and translate as we go. So we need to appreciate that the whole idea behind John is that people often feel they give up and they don't feel it's in their ability to change who they are. And therefore they behave in a certain way all the time. And if Hashem decrees upon them to die, they will die. But this is a mistake. Because you don't think that. Because whatever Hashem wants you to correct in yourself, you are obligated. This word, you have to fix it. You will come back once or twice to this world. You will come back time and time again in order to fix it. So why would you want to die in this world and suffer the, 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 the degradation of being buried and all the other pains only to have to come back and do it again? So... so I'll carry on just so you get this piece. But he's saying like, you get this world. This world could be your last world. It could be the last time you're here. But that's if you do what you were put, sent here to do. If you don't do what you sent here to and you say, ah, you know, it's too much work. It's too difficult. I'm not interested. Hashem's going to send you back to do it again. So why, why go through? Surely it's not. So first it's saying very clearly in the Mishnah Bureau here. That, that, that man, it is not a good thing to be reincarnated. It is... I wouldn't call it a punishment, but it's like you're just prolonging something that could be much shorter. You've got an opportunity to do something in a in, in mission in life, and instead of getting it done, you are delaying it. So he says, that's why we read the book of Jonah. I'm just going to complete this section. So what happens with Jonah? It says, so what happens to Jonah? Jonah Hashem comes to Jonah and says, go, go prophesy to the city of Nineveh. And Jonah runs away. So what happens? Hashem says, I told you to go to Nineveh. So go back to Nineveh. No, no, he doesn't. He runs. He gets onto a ship. So Hashem tosses him. He gets into the sea. You can't run away from the message of Hashem. You have to come back. So that's what the, that's what the Mishnah Bura says is the reason we read the book of Jonah. It's not because the message of the book of Jonah in of itself is such an important thing. Uh, in and of itself it's the fact that realize that if you have a purpose to do you have a purpose to do in this world so what you now what you need to do is make sure that you do it otherwise you're going to have to come back and do it again okay so so that is the book of Jonah so that's pretty now I'll be honest I was quite flawed I, I hadn't seen that uh, it's called the Sharetzion it's part of the Mishnah I had not seen that before and I was quite flawed by it because you always think, uh, you always think, I always think of reincarnation and you think it's going to be with the, the mystics and the Kabbalists and the Hasidim. But here it's like the, you could not find a less Hasidish uh, individual. Now where does he get this from? And that's even more profound. He gets it from the commentary of the Vilna Gohan on the book of Yonah. 
So I tried to find, I couldn't find, I found so, quote, people quoting the Vilna Gaon, but I couldn't find the original of the Vilna Gaon to show you inside. But needless to say is that this is something that whether you are, are, are a mystic or a, a chassid or not, this is very rooted within, you know, very powerful. So you might not have it in the Rambam, but you have it in the Vilna Gaon. I mean, those are, those are very strong personalities. Now, one other personality that uh, we'll, we'll quote, and and, and just so I know, I have not quoted any Hasidim yet, is that um, the, there's a concept in uh, Jewish law called a leveret marriage, called Yibum. So the rule works as follows, is that if a man gets married to a woman and, and he dies um, before having children, so that woman becomes what's called a Yivama. And it is seen that the, 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 in order that the lineage of the man doesn't... Um, doesn't die out she is obligated to marry his brother now he could refuse um it's not clear whether she could refuse but he could refuse we don't do this today but uh she could refuse now the case where we see this happen is at the beginning of uh in genesis where yehuda judah has a uh, judah has uh, three sons um uh, onan and shayla and er marries uh, tamar and he dies so Yehuda says, okay, Onan, you should marry Tamar, and uh, that should fulfill the, your brother's uh, lineage through. And the idea that the Torah comes says, and it mentions it a few times in the Torah, that it should extend the, the name of the deceased brother. So if Reuven marries uh, Sarah, and Reuven dies, so Reuven's brother Shimon will then marry Sarah, and that child will be considered Reuven's child. For laws of inheritance and for a whole bunch of things. Says the Ramban. Now I've quoted it here, it's in the Abar Benel, and the Ramban comes uh, quotes a bit of a source of it, but the Ramban comes and says, and it's a uh, he says that this idea that the child will be the inheritor of the father, it's not to say that the child will inherit the father and that it will be considered the son of the father, of the deceased father. In a, in halachic way, he says that the soul of the deceased father will be in that child. So, so Ruvain dies. Sarah now marries Shimon, Ruvain's brother. The child born, let's call him Levi. Levi will have the soul of Ruvain, and that is why this is a mitzvah. And he brings other sources. For example, the the name of the person of uh, of uh, Shimon, the the, Yab, the Yabam, is called the Goel. Is the individual who is the uh, redeemer, and that is why this uh, this whole concept comes out. So it's quite a quite a uh, well known. And the Ramban is definitely not a not a what we call a dat yachet. He's definitely not a a strange voice. He's a mystic as well, but um, very powerful. So you have the Rambam and the uh, Rambam and all the other philosophers we saw earlier. But here we have the Vodgoen, we have the Ramban, we have the Mishnah Brewer, and a lot of others. But let's go into the more Hasidic way. So this is also wouldn't be true because uh, these are, this is actually not going to be Hasidic either, but this is going to be Rav Chaim Vital. So for those who are not familiar with the name, so the big Kabbalist, and when I say the big Kabbalist, the one who really brought Kabbalah to the masses was a guy named Rav, um, was the Ari, of Shlomeluria. Ari? but uh, the Ari. And the, um, the Ari lived in Sfat, 1500s, 
1500s in Sfat was really, you had the A-team of Jewish, uh, of Jewish rabbis. You had enormous amounts. You had Rav Yosef Karo, who was the author of the Shulchan Aruch. You have Rav uh, Shlomo Alkabetz, who wrote the Lachadudi. You had the Alshech. You had you have, uh, the Ari. And Ari really brought uh, the world of Kabbalah into, uh, into the mainstream, for lack of a better term. He became really the forefather of Hasidim. He's, he predates Hasidim by a couple of hundred years. But um, he brings that God. And his main student was an individual named Rav Chaim Vital. And Rav Chaim Vital wrote a book called Yitzchak Luria. Thank you, Mina. Rav Yitzchak Luria. So I'm still not sure what the, what the, what the Aleph is. Not, that's the Re. Rav Yitzchak Luria. I can't remember what the Ari stands for. But, um, so Rav Chaim Vital wrote a book called The Shar HaGilgulim, which literally means The Gates of Reincarnation. And he says, the soul is placed in a body in order for a person to attain spiritual perfection by refraining from transgressions and performing mitzvot. If one accrues too much spiritual damage, the soul must return to repair the damage. Similarly, if one didn't take full advantage of the opportunity to perfect the soul, it may be reincarnated to complete its f- perfection. So, so, okay, so you get that and that's pretty straightforward and clear. And listen, it's a whole book about this uh, topic. But it's... Um, it, 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 it opens up with some answers that it, it really creates a whole lot of questions that go along with it. And the question is being if, you know, if I, just say I did too many avarus, and so I'm going to, when I die, I'm going to be reincarnated to fix that up. So what kind of family am I going to be born into? So if I'm born into, let's say, a non-observant Jewish family, so how's that going to help me? So we're going to say that people born into from families are those who, who in their previous lives were in non-from families, and so if you grow like it, 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 it creates a mathematics which is very very difficult to understand but again like all areas of philosophy this is not mathematics and perhaps we shouldn't look at it that way the last source that I'm going to bring this evening also in favour is another book which is a, a darling of the literature world and that is a book called the Derech Hashem so in in the world of um, I don't want to call it modern Jewish philosophy because we're talking about 1700s here but um, in the world of the Litvisha yeshivas the non-Hasidic yeshivas one of the names that really stands head and shoulders over almost everyone is someone named the Ramchal Rav Moshe Chaim Lutzato who lived in Italy and he was a known Kabbalist died at a very young age and he wrote a number of books, but the most well-known ones are The Path of the Just, the Mesilat Yisharim, and the Derech Hashem. So the Mesilat Yisharim is almost like a, an early self-help book on how to become a, a holy individual. And it gives you steps on how to do it. The Derech Hashem is really trying to give all of Jewish uh, mystical philosophy in, uh, in, in one uh, easy place. And he says... Uh, there's yet another principle found in the direction of matters of the world, and it is that the supreme wisdom arranged to expand salvation more, as we've mentioned, such that one, soul, one, that one soul comes into the world at various times in different bodies. And behold, through this it may repair at a different time what it corrupted in a previous time, or perfect what it did not perfect. However, at the end of all coronations, in the judgment in the future to come, the trial will surely be regarding the soul. So he says almost exactly the same as Rechaim Vital. Um, he came later in Rav Chaim Vital and uh, it does answer one of the questions we had earlier which was about well when you die you know don't you doesn't your soul get judged so seemingly from here I'd say yes it does get judged but not not when you die it's when you finish your mission 
So once you've done whatever you need to do, then there will be judgment. Now, I don't understand it. If you're going to be doing lots of, uh, if you, you've done too many avarus, so you're going to um, come back to this world until such time as you've finished all your avarus, so uh, then there shouldn't need to be judged because I've finished all my avarus and now I'm only doing good. So I, 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 I would be lying if I said I understood all these concepts and, and how they relate and how they're supposed to uh, play out. But I think the, I think the essence is we have um, within these two groups of, uh, of uh, groups of Rabbanim. And, and as you said, these are huge groups of Rabbanim. These are not, uh, if, you, if, you hold, if you believe one over the other, you're in the, you're in the, you're in the majority. There is no majority here. You really have a, div- a dividing line of the greatest minds in Jewish history. Half of them is saying that the belief in reincarnation is an absolute anathema to Judaism and you can't believe it it's, it's wrong it's it's almost immoral to believe it and then you have the other extreme which is saying it is an absolute core belief that we do and the Mishnah Brewer you know in Halacha that you need to learn to do whatever you can in this world so that you prevent yourself from having to endure the, the suffering and pain of going back into this going back into this world so whether whichever way you like it's, it's, it's clearly it's, it's, it was like I'll be honest from a study from my point of view it was fantastic because it was really you get your teeth stuck into something which is so complex and so uh, unclear. But um, I, I really uh, enjoyed it and I hope I clarified uh, that to all of you. So I'm going to now cancel my spotlight. I'm going to open up the uh, opportunity for everyone who wants to unmute. So if anyone would like to ask a question, please uh, unmute yourself and ask away. Uh, Rabbi? Yes, yeah, Aniki. So... Uh, so what do you think about, um, so, so some of the kids at the high school, uh, they found this guy that um, apparently he takes you through that you kind of go into like a, a hypnotic state and they, they find their past lives or who they were before or a little glimpse of it. Um, this is what they think is happening. And uh, do you think... Like, would that be against Judaism to even pursue something like that? So, okay, well, I mean, I'm not sure when you say they found a guy. Um, that, that sounds a bit <laughs> ominous. I mean, okay. online. <laughs> okay. Um, there used to be a guy named, uh, was it John Edwards, crossing over, where you'd be able to no, speak to no, me. No, no, he's not, I don't think he's so famous. No, no, but I'm saying that. But yeah, I'll see what you're saying. Okay, so we, we, we are going to, and it, it were, it's probably going to be in the next week or two, um, and by all means, if you have any suggestions of, of questions that I haven't gotten to that you'd like me to, but one of the things you are going to be talking about is the occult, because the Torah consistently talks about uh, magicians, um, astrologers, uh, fortune tellers, and the like, and uh, do we believe in them, do we not? I'll, I'll give you the short answer. Every, um, these sort of things, according to Jewish law, are all prohibited. However, the question is why they're prohibited. So you have one group of people who say it's prohibited because these people are charlatans and you shouldn't get involved with, uh, with rubbish. And another group of people say, no, these people could be doing what they say they're doing, but nevertheless, it's still prohibited. And uh, so those really are going to be the two groups of things. Um, yeah, so, but it's, it's very clear from, uh, from, uh, from a Torah point of view that um, contacting you know, I haven't really seen contact in your own life, but definitely contacting people beyond is a problem. But um, yeah, I would, uh, I, we, we, we will touch on that over the next few weeks, I promise.
Okay. Oh, Any other questions? Yeah, we're about um, yeah, Mina. Oh no, that's resurrection of the dead, and we and we quoted that. So that's the haftorah on uh, on Shabbat um, Pesach, and uh, we spoke about it when we did resurrection of the dead. That no one doubts the resurrection of the dead. That is, uh, we've said that is like uh, the the vast majority. What what wasn't clear is, is resurrection of the dead. Is it uh, is it a physical thing? Is it a spiritual thing? And um, I'm, I'm sure you're in the class, but. Um, the difference being is that no one claims that those were reincarnated souls, those were resurrected souls. No, like to the best of my knowledge, no one says that's got to do with resurrection. That has to do with, uh, so that has nothing to do with reincarnation, that has to do with resurrection. Resurrection. Uh-huh. Okay, thanks. Okay. Anyone else? All right. Um, can, I, can I just add to that? Sure. That I, I had an understanding and I may be totally wrong, with the resurrection of the dead, is that if there is reincarnation, that it was actually the original souls that would be resurrected and it wasn't a case of there would be five bodies and which body does it choose? Is that... Well, well, I touched on that a little bit when I said, like, because I said the good, that, that question of, well, which soul, which body comes with it is based on an assumption that the resurrection of the dead is a very physical experience that that my body will come back and uh, but if the, if my soul has had multiple bodies which body comes back uh, i think it's like one of those questions that like um, you know it's like i don't know what it, i don't know what the resurrection of the dead left we did say there were opinions that resurrection of the dead the rambam we said the resurrection of the dead is clearly not a physical thing and that's uh, how we quoted it when we when we dealt with it. Um, so if the soul comes back, so as you want to suggest that it's a, it's much more of a spiritual resurrection, whatever that spiritual resurrection is, that that's what it means. And okay, then it's easy to understand. I, I think you can probably still get around these. Like if the soul, I mean, the so we, we we the question is based on the assumption that the soul has to be. You can only have like the soul can only be in one body at a time. Maybe the soul can be in five bodies at the same time. I, I don't know. You know, we're asking, you know, metaphysical questions as if they're mathematical problems. I, I don't know if you can actually do that. It sort of does. I don't think it works quite like that. So I'm happy to say, I, I, I don't know. That, that would sit better with me, just saying I don't know. Okay. Okay. Anyone else? I, I just want to say yes, um, that sometimes somebody can have a child and as the child grows, you can see the resemblance uh, in the physical features and the character of a of a Zeta two 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 generations beyond. Yeah. You know, so sometimes you think that the soul of that person that has gone has come into this new child. So let me let me make a couple of comments on 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 that uh, sort of topic. Um, so let me put on my uh, my my nice hat, and then I'll put on my my cynical, not my skeptical, cynical hat. Okay, so I put on my nice hat. So there are many stories that are told, and these are usually um, more mystical slash Hasidic type stories, where a family loses a child and they're distraught, and they go to the rabbi, the rebbe, and the rebbe tells the story that there was this guy who was a 
you know, was a terrible, you know, you know he was a big tzaddik, but he, he you know, I don't know how to say, but uh, his first three months of his life, he was, uh, he was no good. And so he died, and when he got to heaven, uh, God said, listen, your soul is so pure, except those first three months of its life it wasn't, so we need to send you back so you can fulfill that, that, that vision. You'll come back to this world for three months, and then, you know, then, you'll, then, you'll be, then you'll have completed your purpose. And, and so the family feels comforted that their child had fulfilled its purpose in those three months. So there are a lot of those stories go around, and they explain you know, that sort of thing out. There's a lot of literature without opening up a can of worms here, and this would be a can of worms, which talks about the Holocaust and trying to philosophically get around why did so many people suffer through the Shoah and saying that these were souls that had returned and therefore were taken, you know, quote-unquote prematurely because they had done what they needed to do in that short amount of time. Not going there, but that sort of thing exists. I regularly get um, people who come to me usually not long after losing a loved one and will see signs from the loved one in the world through animals you know uh, you know we were sitting in our garden and out of nowhere this 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 kookaburra came and it just came and sat and it looked at me and i knew that that was my late grandmother so i i can't say it's not um but and, and my feeling is if a person finds comfort from that so who am i to tell them no um i was at um I was at um, Howard Sher the other night for Friday night dinner. If anyone's been to Howard, there's a picture of, I think it's Pam's great-grandmother on the side there. And it looks like Brian. I mean, it, 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 you could not, but it looks exactly like Brian. So what does that mean? It means that genes are strong. My kids look like me. You know, my kids, uh, at least that's what people say, my kids look like me. So, uh, someone went over to my, my eldest Yudah the other day in Eastern Suburbs and says, I don't know who you are, but you're clearly Gad Krebs' son. Yeah, g- genes are strong. So the, and genes are not just on appearance. Genes have certain elements of behavior so that uh, my grandchildren, great-grandchildren, no doubt, will have something from me. And, you know, my, my children, when they see their grandchildren, I'd say, you know, that reminds me so, so much that's of that. Why, that's, why, how, that's how the soul comes back. In, in, in generations and generations. One thing I can say, Sheila, is I did not see anyone who said that, other than that leveret marriage, anyone that suggests that when the soul returns, it stays in the family line. I didn't see anyone who said anything or suggested anything. The soul would come back, but you know, next time, so if I pass away, my soul might come back as, uh, I don't know, Chassid in Bnei Brak. Might come as an Indian Jew. Might not, I, I assume, you know, if we're going to keep in that realm, that those who believe in the reincarnation are going to say that the Jew, it comes back as a Jew. That you, if you die as a Jew, you will come back as a Jew. But uh, I don't believe, I, haven't, I did not see anyone who said that it, uh, that it would have to come back, you know, that it would be a descendant of mine. It could be... Not, not necessarily, but, you know, I, I feel that the soul of the person that passes away... Uh, if they have family, then the genes come back in the in the family, in the children of the family. Well, but they might not necessarily be either religious or not religious, or girls or boys. They, but they have characteristics. Well, I definitely can't disagree with you, because I don't know. What I can say is that it, I, I haven't seen the sources. Um, 
these are, this is that area of Jewish life where you know we can I can quote you as I've quoted for like twenty close close to twenty sources this evening, and still I'm I'm no closer to knowing the answer to the question, but I definitely think that the idea of reincarnation can bring a lot of people a lot of comfort. And 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 if if that's all it does, I don't see any harm in it. You know, however you feel, I think that people, especially when there's uh, there's trauma and loss, um, people find comfort, and I don't see any reason to to dismiss that. I think if that if that works for you and and then that makes sense to you and it resonates with you, then I'm I'm I'm, uh, who am I to say otherwise? I don't know any better. Anyway, sure, that's the way it is. All right, everybody. All right, Lila, to everybody. Look forward to seeing you all next week. Have a wonderful evening. Bye.